Welcome to another episode of Bench Talk. I'm your host, Tom Gerrard. Uh, this week, I'm catching up with Elle. Like, are you, I was going to say American or Australian artist, or like, where do you sit with all that? Oh, yeah. thanks for having me. Um, I currently consider myself New York, LA, and Melbourne based because I kind of tend to like to do summers just in each place, and I sort of have studios in each of those spots at the moment. Okay. Yeah. That's a, um, a good way of doing it. Like, you go chase summer around the world. Yeah. I mean, I did New York winters for eight years, and I was just done with it by then so I decided you know I we do art like I don't need to be anywhere really so it's it's just endless possibilities of where you can follow the sun <laughs> yeah. yeah and if after a New York winters I've I've experienced one of them not for too long but gee like oh that was real cold and they're intense. Yeah. yeah. I mean, my apartment was like 90 degrees all the time. So really hot in the winter, <laughs> but I wouldn't leave. So no. I became a super hermit and I yeah. was like, I need to get outside. <laughs> I've noticed that cold places um, do um, in like warm houses really well. Yeah. Like living in, in the UK, I noticed that and, um, you know, just going to cold places. Then you come to a, somewhere like Melbourne where it gets cold in winter, but they don't have the heating sorted out for it. That's the thing. I was like, it's actually freezing, which like, you know, all of these music videos I've been watching growing up with all the sand and everything and the deserts in Australia were totally misleading. I was like, what winter in Australia? And then I was freezing and you guys have those flap windows. And I was like, wait a minute, this is freezing cold. I need to get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> but I love the summers here, so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, like, start from the beginning, I guess. Like, like how did you get into art? Um, I've always drawn and painted, just ever since I was young. It was something I loved doing. And um, we used to travel a lot as children. So I have three siblings, and my parents were both private pilots. And so we would travel every single weekend. And in the summers, we would be away as well. And so um, I never had a camera or anything, and I would draw to remember things and places. And I had a terrible memory, so, and I still have a terrible memory. So it, it was sort of a way of documenting my life and keeping track of things and you know being able to remember where I was and what I saw. Cool. That's a good way of doing it. Yeah. I haven't heard that one before. <laughs> so when you were growing up, like it was your hobby. Did you ever see that you'd make a career out of it? Um, I went to private Catholic school, so there wasn't really, like, uh, and my dad's an engineer, a civil engineer, and my mom was a French teacher, so there was never really the idea of, like, oh, you could be an artist for a profession, um, but then when I was applying to colleges, I was like, hey, I think I want to apply to MICA, the Maryland Institute College of Art, and potentially do art. Um, for a living and my parents were actually really supportive they were like if that's what you want to do you should do it and I ended up deciding not to go study art and to go to a university and study science because I loved art so much that I didn't want to have to depend on it for money so I wanted to keep it a hobby and something that I could do just when I wanted to and and which was always and um, and so I went to university a regular university and then 
halfway through, I was studying food science and technology, and then my third year, I went and studied abroad with Micah and did a studio program and then um, studied at the American University of Paris for half a year. And I was studying art history in the Louvre and working with these amazing artists and these teachers, and I was like, I don't want to be doing science in a basement. I actually just want to spend all of my time doing art. And so I ended up graduating with art history and art studio and, and deciding to go for it. Cool. I've always wondered with uh, people that study art history, like what, like where does that lead career-wise? Unless, like, obviously you can be, become an artist, but yeah. where else, like, would that take you, like museums and Yeah, and I mean, I think it could. I didn't really have an idea of what I wanted to do for a job, and that wasn't really a concern at that point. Probably it was for my parents, maybe. But um, I just I just wanted to learn about art, and I just wanted to do it, and I didn't really care at that point. But yeah, I could. I imagine it's probably curatorial museums, things of that sort. But it was huge. You know, I think everyone should learn at least a little bit about art history because before that, I didn't really understand contemporary art. I didn't understand a lot of things that come out of the context of art history. And so I think it's really crucial to sort of have an appreciation for art, understanding the history of it. Mm. Yeah, I, I um, had no idea about the history of art, really. Like, because I was so, I was so into graffiti, I knew about all the history of graffiti. And, yeah. Like, you know, read up and, and watched, you know, all the documentaries and stuff on yeah. that. But it, once I started... Tra- um, you know, transferring my um, attention towards more of, the, uh, of an art career. Right. I realized I didn't know much and people would be, like name drop artists. And yeah, yeah it's yeah. like, oh, you haven't heard of them? Yeah. And, and um, I was lucky to get a job working at Christie's at the auction house in, wow, um, in London. Yeah. And I was like um, laying out their books and catalogs. So I was just so cool. reading them all the time. And yeah, it was, it was really good for me. Yeah, I think I sort of manifested it into my life because, yeah, um, yeah I just, uh, I just, re- just didn't want to seem stupid amongst the art crowds, but then I, now I realise that there are so many bloody artists out there. Yeah, but you, no one can know all of them. No, you could never know all of them. Yeah. And I actually had the reverse situation happen. So I had studied art history and art, went to post baccalaureate program for painting, dropped out, and then got really heavily into graffiti. And I knew nothing about the history mm. of graffiti. And so all of these graffiti writers and all of these, you know, mm. pop culture people and, and, you know, graph heads in New York were like, well, don't you know your history of graffiti? And I literally had come from a small town and like never even, you know, when you have a point when you actually see graffiti for the first time, that happened to me when I was maybe 21, 22. And that's when I fell in love with it. And, and. And that, for me, was the reverse of your Christie experience. So that mm. was me trying to learn everything I could about graffiti at that point because I was feeling really ignorant. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, opposites. Yeah, know? exactly. You could tell me about Rembrandt and I could teach you about Dondi. <laughs> totally. <laughs> <laughs> like, how did you come to sort of, uh, like, start painting, like, on the streets and, mm-hmm. and getting involved in all that scene? Yeah, so... Um, it really stemmed from this, so I, like I said, I didn't really know what I was going to do for a job after I graduated from school, so I ended up in this post-baccalaureate program at Brandeis for painting, and it was a, you know, fine art program, but I was doing these super flat, poppy Japanese paintings, and the professors would come in, they'd be like, look at Rembrandt, and I'm like, I hate brown, I don't understand what you're, wow, how this is relevant, and I thought that they were really sexist, and it was just really weird, you know, they'd come in and be like, you went to prom and you forgot your prom dress. And I'd be like, well, that's great, but can you actually critique the art? And they were just really, 
you know, not even helping. So I quit and gave up art and moved to New York. And a friend of mine that I'd lived with in Paris was like, let's move to New York together. So we were looking at sublets and the projects and all these weird little places. And we ended up in Bushwick. And um, I started, I got a temp job, you know, just doing random things and bartending. And at one point, a few months later, I went into the galleries in Chelsea, and I was sort of disillusioned by what I saw there and not really excited by anything. And then I saw a piece on the street by Swoon and a piece by Gaia in the Chelsea district. And um, they were both, I think, linoleum cuts. And Swoon was one of her beautiful women with the cutout um, dresses and figures and the cityscape below her. And then Gaia was this hog with a beautiful argyle sweater and these beautiful hands. And I thought, man... This is just so cool. Like these people are doing this and putting it on the street and risking their freedom for me. Like I don't understand. I want to do this. So uh, my friend was doing street art at the time, and he was like, "Come over. We'll make a piece. We'll put it up tonight. I'll teach you how." So we did that, and the next day I had a piece. It was this rat, <laughs> and I chose the name Oopsie Daisy because I thought it was funny. Like Oopsie Daisy, I just put something on your wall. Um, and it was up on Street Art New York the next day on this Street Art blog. And I just thought all of the work I had done up to that point was um, hiding in a storage unit. And nobody had ever seen it. And there was no exposure and no interaction. And it, all of a sudden, these pieces had life. And they were interacting with people. And people were excited. And people were taking time to take photographs of them and post it online. And I was like, this is amazing. These, you know, they're getting to live their own life. And then other artists are coming and collaborating with those pieces on the streets. And so it was very exciting for me. And that got me really, really into it. So from there, I, I was very excited about the street art, but I was starting to get disillusioned by the speed with which they were coming off the streets. And I started to pay a lot of attention to the graffiti and the spray paint that was staying on the street. And so, um, through someone that I met in the street art scene, I started meeting a couple graffiti artists and, um, I realized that there were very few women in the scene. And at the time, Lister was living in New York and we were very good friends. And we, I, you know, I was doing rollers off the side of buildings, like oopsie daisy, which is like 16 letters or something. And we were like, this is ridiculous. I need a new name. So actually Lister and I kind of came up with L together. Um, at the time it was L dead sex icon. <laughs> um, but L for short. And uh, ironically, uh, it was probably six months or a year later that Andrew King from Sandrew talked to me and he said, you know, Elle, I really think you should drop the dead sex icon. It's just unnecessary. <laughs> and so I did, and I just became Elle. But um, it was at that point that I got really, really heavily into graffiti. And I, I, you know, I wanted L, which means she in French. I wanted the ladies to be up as hard as possible. I wanted to them to be up on the billboards. I wanted to be up on the streets. I was doing fire extinguishers. I was just super, super, super obsessed with it. And um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good stuff. It's yeah. good to hear that you are getting up. Like properly with it, it's, yeah. Because uh, it's, I, you know, I've been in New York a couple of times, and like once I went there on my own, like back in two thousand and three, mm -hmm. and I went there just to paint. Like yeah. that's all I wanted to do. Yeah. And um, I found it like it, there was a lot of fear mm -hmm. um, from other writers that I, like that I met, that about getting busted and like yeah. and how like 
how full on it is there and yeah. how the graph squad's like all onto it and all that type of stuff. So I, um, I know it's good to hear that you're uh, having a good crack at it. Yeah, I mean, I did get arrested a couple times, um, and it's super good to turn in New York because it's really awful in there. Um, but it's also just a great city for graffiti because everyone's walking around and because you're taking these trains and it's such a condensed area. It's really, really fun to be up in that city. You know, I don't really find the appeal in Los Angeles where mm. you can do a piece and. It's just so spread out, it doesn't make sense to me. But for graffiti, I think New York is just an incredible place. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, um, I, I went out and painted spots while I was there with like some, some writers I met while, when I first got there. Yeah. And they took me to these house parties and, um, and then we'd climb out the window and paint the rooftop. And then it would be, and, and be trackside and all that sort of stuff. And yeah. Just I had all these adventures over yeah. there. And I thought, oh, this is awesome. Yeah, and it's really fun. You can go to the rooftops and you can see it from the trains. Yeah. Or you can do rollers off the top of buildings and they'll be in the middle of the city. And yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah I went to um, this one party with uh, all, all the guys, I'm, all the writers I met. Were um were black guys, mm -hmm. and then and I was like the only white guy hanging mm -hmm. out with them, and they they thought it like they like oh with this guy from Australia, they're like I didn't even know they they had like gra graffiti writers in Australia, <laughs> so they um they took me to a party and they I think it was um it was in Queens, they took me to the projects in no they took no first they took me to Jamaica Queens wow. to get a yeah, haircut yeah. and get some weed that's hilarious and then um and their uh, his cousin was like cutting my hair and it was really funny I, I was it was cold and it was it was winter so I you know I had a bit of like a bit of a beard and my hair really needed a cut and he's like yeah we'll get you you know get you looking good and uh, his cousin gave me this full uh, he said oh what do you want. And I said, oh, you, you know, you're the boss, do your thing. And he gave me this full Puerto Rican sort of looking haircut. Oh my God, I love squared it. off my fringe. Gave me this like pencil thin like beard goatee thing. And I felt like a bloody idiot. But, um, you looked like a real New Yorker. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I just, I just had to go out that Did night Did you just like rock that. it? I just rocked it. That is amazing. I love it. But then, um, but then went to this, uh, then he took me to this party in, um, in uh, the projects in Queens. And then, um. Oh, like we got to the the we went up into the projects and he, he banged on the um the door mm -hmm. and then ducked down and there was a little window and the guy looked through the window to see who it was and they all ducked down and it's just me standing there and he yells out to his friend he's like hey you know there's some white guy at the door and they were like what the fuck are you doing here and like opened the door and started having a go at me and then like my mates all jumped up and went hey like how do you like oh <laughs> you know you have me you have me like oh, seriously who's this guy <laughs> But um, but yeah, like he uh, he said, oh, the guy um, opened the door and said, oh, you know, he's like, oh, this is my friend. He's from Australia. And he's like, yeah, right. You know, he's like, um, you know, bullshit. Say something Australian to me. I said, I don't know. What do you want me to say? And he heard the accent and he goes, he goes, he goes, damn, that's some exotic shit. Because he gonna get me some pussy tonight. Like oh I just God. just walked in and just and he, he, he took me around the party and introduced me to lots of people. Sounds got me like a beer. you had a yeah. lot of fun in New York. <laughs> I felt so out of place. Like, yeah. Oh, I don't think there's any reason to feel out of place. I mean, I think, yeah, the Australian is probably a little bit of a exotic for all New Yorkers, I would think. Yeah. Although you guys had a little bit of a takeover stage when I was there. You know, I, there was one point when most of my friends, I think, in New York were Australian, which was really bizarre. But it was like mm. Ian Strange, Lister, Vexta, Jamie Toll, who has Northern Territory Bar. That was my crew. And <laughs> it was funny because I was like, wait, where? I had never even been to Australia at that point. Mm. 
so like knowing all those Australian artists, is that one of the reasons you came to Australia? Yeah. So, um, yes. Partially. So uh, I was also really good friends with Macatron. We had met uh, in LA or in Miami and I, during Art Basel and I had met Roan in Basel. And, um, and so I knew a bunch of the guys from Everfresh and Rekka and I were good friends as well. Uh, where did we meet? I don't remember, but we hung out in Berlin and in, in New York and I might've met him through Sandrew as well. I'm not quite sure. Um, but so my sister married a New Zealander, and so I was going over to New Zealand to go meet the family out there, and Vexta was like, man, you have to come to Australia, I'm going to be out there, and I was like, yeah, you're right. So Maka and Rowan were like, come stay at Everfresh, we've got the extra room upstairs, come stay for a month. And I was like, okay, well, yeah, maybe I'll come stay for a couple weeks. And at that point, I was working, um, I had left New York, and I was, I had gotten a really amazing studio in Los Angeles. It was out uh, in the middle of nowhere in this place called Mid-City, um, but it was a beautiful, huge studio because I had wanted to bring my painting on buildings and try to do that on canvases, and I didn't have the space to do that in New York, um, but I was feeling really isolated in Los Angeles, and um, I knew people, but it was really far away to get anywhere, and I just, uh, like, I had sort of done what I wanted to, and so when I landed in in Melbourne, I had, I just found an amazing community, and, um, you know, between Everfresh and all of these shared studios, which I had never seen anything like that. You know, you have all of these um, group studios here and I just think it's so incredible. It's so inspiring to see other people working and to be working together and bouncing ideas off of each other and have these workshops together. Um, and I just loved that. And there was also a ton of work coming in and I was like, hey, you know, I think I might stay. So I came back after New Zealand and, um, and uh, yeah, I've now applied for permanent residency because I want to do summers here all the time. Cool. Yeah. Is that, is it um, are you eligible for permanent residency? I know it's hard to get. Yeah, I've uh, well, I found a lawyer who wanted to do a, an art trade, so I painted inside of his building, which is great. And so he's applied for a special talent visa. So it's the same thing that Ronan Vexton and a lot of the Australians have applied for in America, the genius visa they call it um, for the Australians. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but it's basically saying that I, you know, you can do something that maybe other people can't. Okay. something of that sort so fingers crossed we'll see I'm on a bridging visa now yeah yeah I could work I've been through a lot of visa troubles in yeah, my yeah. But, uh, yeah it's just nice I didn't want to have to keep applying every time I came back so <sighs> it would just make it a lot easier that's oh, a nightmare yeah like, yeah when you especially when you get the rejection letters as well it's like Dude, heartbreaking you don't know where your life's going it's like yeah. oh my god like, what does this mean a hundred percent I mean I've been out here almost a year and a half as a home base and um and I love it. I'd be really heartbroken if I couldn't come back. But I also, I mean, I really believe in world citizenship. I don't understand why someone can tell me where I can be in the world. We're all human. I don't understand the border system. I understand because people want to keep the wealth within their countries, which I think is a bad reason. But I think if you did open up all the borders, eventually things would even out. And mm. there would probably be a bit of chaos in the beginning. But I think, I, you know, with globalization, I see in maybe... 200 years there's got to be something like that yeah maybe i would hope yeah definitely you know yeah that would be a dream i think some countries <laughs> be really populated over others yeah but then it would balance back out eventually mm. i yeah, think I you so. know i mean you you would have to overpopulate economies would go to shit and then you'd be like hey i'm gonna move to tanzania mm. and i hear the economy there is starting to pick up really well and it's yeah. a great place and yeah you know 
Yeah. You'd have freedom to go wherever you would have never gone before, maybe. Exactly. Yeah. That's pre- I've never never thought about that. Yeah. yeah. There you go. <laughs> um, so you mentioned that you uh, you did a, like an art trade for legal yeah. services. Mm-hmm. Like, um, have you used that a lot? Like, uh, your art as currency. Um, yeah, actually, I got laser eye surgery in New York from a doctor with an art trade. (laughs) My mom was like, this is a terrible idea. How do you know he's a good doctor? I'm like, Mom, he's the best doctor. Like, don't worry. But um, yeah, I think it's great. I I really think it's a cool thing to leverage, you know, because money is so boring. Mm. I I do it a lot. Yeah. Like I, you know, um, you know, unfortunately, I can't pay the mortgage and, and go to the, the market and get all my fruit and veg with uh, yeah. the painting. But I do pay for a lot of things with it. Yeah. You know? And well, it's funny because my wife says, oh, oh, you keep you're getting all this free stuff. It's like, it's not free. I gave him a painting for totally. it. Totally. Yeah, yeah. This is work. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's a really great system. Mm. Really. Yeah. So you, um, you've like lived in LA and New York and had like had studios and worked on your art in both places. Mm-hmm. Do you find a big difference between the, the two cities? Um, yeah, massively on all different levels. Um, I don't feel like I really ingrained myself in LA. I was super hermited just working on my own work. So I don't feel like I can speak on the art world even there because I just, I really hid in a cave and just painted. Um, but New York, New York was amazing. I had an incredible community there. The art world, the street art, the graffiti, everything was really tight and um, and really amazing. But it's also a very fluid p- place. I feel like every eight years there was a huge turnover of people. And so at one point, all of my best friends had left. They'd gone to Detroit and L.A. and all over. And so um, suddenly this amazing community that I had was very small. And... Um, yeah, it's sort of one of those evolving cities, you know. I feel like Melbourne is a little bit more, you know, it's an island, so people are more like, they're here, you know, mm. and that's nice. Yeah. Like, ah, gosh, you guys, can't go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it's like, I consider like LA and New York to be like art meccas of the world. It's mm-hmm. like if you, your career is really going for it, you can go to either one of those places and take it to the next level. Yeah. Like, uh, I was just wondering how... It, you know, how it compared to, yeah. so say, Melbourne. I think instance. as far as making a living goes, Melbourne is the best, though. For me personally, at least with what I'm doing for street art um, or mural painting or whatever you might call it, um, I have found this city to be the most supportive out of all of those. And I don't know if it's just the stage of my career that I'm in. Um, but, you know, New York, the walls are very limited. And they're like, oh, yeah, another graffiti artist. Like, uh, stop tagging our streets. You know, they're really mm. not very excited about it I would say for the most part in a lot of places um and LA is just so spread out that it's less exciting um but yeah I mean for sure there's the entire Chelsea gallery is massive and the industry of art is massive there but it's almost a different it's a different world than what I'm part of yeah almost. yeah it's different um level of art career and all that type of stuff isn't it yeah isn't it? like I think street art and muralism and graffiti here is taken more seriously than those places almost. Mm. I don't know if that's fair to say, you know. Yeah. No, I mean, it's hard to say. There's Heroin Nazem and all of these artists that are doing really well, JR and, and other artists that are doing really well in those scenes. But I feel like as a, I consider myself under echelon of that, or, you know, I'm a mm. lower level than that, 
it's not as easy to to make a living or, mm. or excel in that as much as it is here. Yeah, but that's that's what I meant by before. Like they're they're both they're all foreigners you mentioned who have you know sort of reached the pinnacle in their hometowns and then yeah. they've looked for the next next level. So yeah. they've gone to New York. You yeah, know? maybe that's why I've done well here because I'm a foreigner. Yeah, <laughs> people just like the exotic, you know, yeah. like you in New York. Exactly. <laughs> So um, when you were in New York, you used to work for the artist uh, Judith Supine. Uh-huh. Yeah, mm-hmm. Judith um, Yeah, like how did that come about and what did you learn while working? Um, so It's a he, isn't it? Y- yes. Oh, am I allowed to say that? Yeah, maybe. No, it's a she. <laughs> um, Is that part of the mystery? I don't know. Yeah. She's really cute. <laughs> I always thought it was a he. I've read an interview and I think um, I came across, I, I think I thought, oh, that sounds like it's a he. Um, we had lots of great girl time. It was fantastic. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so the first, this is really funny, but when I was getting really into graffiti, the most up person in New York at the time was this person called Dick Chicken. And it was literally a dick with a chicken, sorry, a dick on a chicken. And um, I was working in this really shitty club in the clubbing district in Manhattan. And I was taking the train back at six or seven in the morning to go home to sleep. And I serendipitously ran into and saw this guy giving out stickers to his friends on the train and they were dick chicken stickers. And I was like, oh my God, are you dick chicken? And he was like, whoa, 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 girl, like relax, chill out, don't say that out loud. But it was, and so we became really good friends. And he introduced me to a huge community of um, graffiti writers and artists. And so through him, um, and we're still very good friends, but I met Rambo, who was one of the top painters of all of the billboards, and he writes these beautiful poetry and amazing pieces all over New York, and also a great artist and painter. He's been showing at the Hole and all of these great places lately. Um, very great guy. And then um, I met um, Judith Supine through him as well, and Lister, and Anthony Sneed, and all of these guys were sort of working out of the same space. And at that time, Judith Supine was sharing a studio with Ian Strange, which is how I met um, Kid Zoom. Mm. I don't know if I... Am I allowed to tie that together? Yeah. Okay. Um, I guess so. Yeah. (laughs) Everyone knows. Sorry, Ian. I don't know. Sorry. Did I do that? Um, Yeah, so uh, I loved, loved uh, Judith Supine's work, and I still do. And I've just always loved collage. You know, when I was living in France, I would go and see the Dada shows, and I just always had an affiliation for that. And... um, Yeah, so I didn't really know what I was doing getting into the street art. It was all very new for me. So I was drawing and painting for Judith for a little bit. Mm -hmm. Cool. Like just helping in the studio and... Yeah, I mean, I would just, you know, he'd... um, Maybe he'd be hand-painting prints. And so Mm. he'd be like, okay, I want it to look like this. And I would would Mm. paint some of the prints and um, just give him a hand around the studio. Yeah, cool. Uh, Yeah. And did you learn a lot from um, assisting an artist? Um, I did, yeah. You know, I didn't know about how fragile prints were at the time and that you can't just crinkle them and, bend, you know, whoa, whoa, what are you doing with that paper? And it was the first time I'd actually worked around sort of fine art in a way of, like, a professional artist. And so that was really interesting. Yeah, she was really great. <laughs> she, she, he. <laughs> this is really ironic. So Judith Supine 
and Ian Strange were sharing a studio, right? And they had like this big grizzly bear thing with a tag on it, and they had this insane cat. And the cat's name was Trouble, and it was a troubled cat, a fucked up cat, really. They would just like start attacking you, you know? And um, so years pass, I'm not working for them anymore, blah, 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 whatever. All of a sudden, I come home to my apartment in New York years later, right? I've still got my same spot. And um, I see this cat, and this cat comes in, and it's really lovely, and you know, whatever. And the next day, I find out that Ian Strange is living downstairs. He's taken over. He's like staying in our friend spot, literally in my house in Mel in in New York, in Brooklyn. So I'm like, Ian, what are you doing here? And I found out that that was trouble. But trouble had gone to a cat psychiatrist, and um, <laughs> the cat whisperer had found out that trouble was actually wanting to be a girl, and so they had renamed trouble some girl name and now it was totally like chill and friendly and nice and just had been totally misunderstood this whole time (laughs) (laughs) but the serendipity of that situation of Ian being in my house and it was just so funny I was like what is going on in the world this is just too small this is wild your cat is in my house (laughs) now now you're in the same city on the other side of the world yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah, so you you had a um a show four years ago with uh with Martha Cooper, like a yeah, joint show. Yeah. Like um how'd you like come to be exhibiting alongside Martha Cooper and Yeah. Like? So this was when I was really heavily into graffiti and um I was offered this huge warehouse space for a show and the guy who invited me to do it was like, It's a really big space. If you wanna ask someone else to do it with you, you can. And I was like, man, who would I want to do a show with? I don't know. And so I reached out to Marty and was like, hey, I've got this amazing space. Do you want to do a joint solo? And she was like, yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. So we made this whole plan to um, go do some street stuff and take photographs and then exhibit that. And then, you know, we would do these fire extinguishers and she'd photograph that and just sort of do a bunch of collaborative things. And it was just amazing. I think, you know, Marty's such an inspiration as a woman. Um, she has just been on the scene since the beginning. She's so incredibly passionate. She's such a hard worker. And she's just, she's amazing. She's amazing at what she does. And I, I don't know if I've ever met anyone so passionate continually for as many years as she's been in it. And she's still just as passionate about it as she was when she started. Um, But it was amazing, you know, we rented a car and brought fire extinguishers out and we traveled out of the city and we were jumping fences and rolling under fences and running together and she was just like right, you know, right alongside me and and, uh, we had a blast, we had a really nice time and uh, we had a really great show and a great turnout and yeah, it was awesome. Cool. It was really fun. Sounds Um, like a real honor. Yeah, oh, it was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm super honored to have worked with her and I just think she's an absolute legend and she fully lives up to that and it's just a great... Great human. Mm. Love Marty. Yeah, it's good to see that she's still so entrenched in, um, like, just in the, the culture. Yeah, I think it's interesting because sometimes with street art and graffiti, people are really enticed by the idea of it and the concept of it. And I think they like finding out who all of the characters are. And then they just get over it. And, um, you know, the real passion, I think, lies in the longevity of it and, and what you're really interested in and the craft of it and the beauty of the spray paint and all of these things. And... And that's, you know, that's when you find the real people. Yeah, Yeah, totally. Yes, so that was the last um, 
solo show that I've had, solo joint show, but that's the real last show that I had, and that was just about four years ago. So I'm super, super excited, and I've really been putting this off, (laughs) but I'm having my first um, big solo show opening December 7th on Friday uh, here in Melbourne. Cool. Yeah. Where's that? It's going to be at this new space called the KSR Residency. So Cam Scale was the first artist that they had, and he was working out of the space, but he showed next door in the adjacent bar. But I'm actually going to be showing in the studio space, which is this amazing 30-foot ceiling um, heritage building, like brick wall, white wall, amazing wood, just like gorgeous space. Um, it's right by the Rialto and um, Mercedes Me, and it's sort of inside of that complex. Mm. Yeah. So is this part of a residency? or? Yeah, this... so, I mean, the, sort of. So I have this space to work in, and I'll also be exhibiting in that space. So it's it's a really nice, beautiful, large space that I get to work in for the month. And it's the first time I've had my own studio since L.A., so it feels really great. It's really, really nice. Mm. Yeah. And being that you've, um, you know, you work quite large, uh, you know, painting walls and everything, like how are you going with like scaling down the pieces? For yeah, I mean, I was working on canvases in LA, uh, you know, that was something that I really wanted to work on, but the smallest I was able to get myself down to is six by six feet. So that's for you guys, I think about two by two meters. And um, I still really struggle painting small because I want to do spray paint on canvas because that's my craft, you know, I don't want to pretend like I'm an acrylic painter. I'm just I'm not, you know, I don't really know how to use that tool. So um, I'm doing mostly two by two meter pieces and then I'll do a couple wall pieces. Um, and I actually have a video installation piece that I made quite a few years ago that is going to be in as well that I've never shown as L. Um, but I think it's really relevant to the theme of what's happening in the show, um, which is called A Space for Sinners. Cool. Yeah. I look forward to seeing it. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, it's interesting that you're saying that um, you want to, you know, stick to, you know, your origins and stick with spray paint and all that. Yeah. Because I've been, I've been talking about it with people recently and I hadn't, didn't realize that I was doing this with my art, but when I look at all my art, I realize I, um, I use all graffiti implements. Yeah. It's like I use spray paint and then, um, if I need to do a line of white, I'll just pull out a whiteout pen, which I've had in my yeah. pocket for years. Like I always carry pens and stuff. And then um, just yeah, just using graffiti implements. Yeah. And I found that now if I need to go to a graffiti store, like I'll I'll start really looking at all the crink markers and things that right, I could right. potentially use in my uh, in my art. And um, I know I've, I've, I feel it, it strengthens my story as well because at first I was trying to be someone else. And trying to get these perfectly clean right, lines with, right. with acrylic paint and everything. It's like, this isn't me. But that's what's so beautiful. Yeah. I mean, like Espo and artists like that, they mm. use the tool that they came from. And you can mm. see the street in that. And as a graffiti writer or whatever, I, I would recognize that and be like, oh my God, I love White Out so much, you know. And it, you have to use those tools. I think mm. that's what's so, you know, the spray paint, the, you can't get the same look as that with mm. acrylic you just can't it's a different you know the way that the light hits the face the way that you can paint a figure's face or the you know the shine of the white of a whiteout pen is totally unique and those things you can't fake with acrylic you mm. know exactly yeah so i know i just you know, i like um celebrating the um the effects you get from from like say spray paint yeah. i like i like to make if i'm going to use spray paint i like for there to be overspray and possibly a drip yeah yeah and um 
you know, and even if you're doing a line with, with say, a wide-out pen and it cuts out halfway and then starts again, like, just sort of go, well, that's just how it is. Right. Because that's how it would would have worked on the streets if yeah. I was doing a tag or something like that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. well, it's, it's so interesting. I mean, my relationship with spray paint, <laughs> if I can call it that, um, has just evolved so much. You know, in the beginning, it was just obsession with getting up and tagging and writing and um, it's, I, I got sponsored by a paint company, which is why I started painting buildings. And then I started getting invited out to paint buildings. And that's sort of how this evolved into what I do now. But once I started painting buildings, I really enjoyed being able to sit on a wall and just use the spray paint and have a few days to work on a piece. And it was the first time I actually was able to sit there and really refine the craft of spray paint. And I feel like still every time I use it, I learn something new and I get better. And to me, there's just this, I'm just obsessed with using it and, and trying to get better with it. And mm. just, you know, the, the way that you can do light and everything with the spray paint is so amazing. So it's it's different than maybe, you know, trying to get drips or overspray in it for me. But um, but I understand fully yeah. what you're saying as well. Yeah. No. It's different, uh, different personalities, yeah. different styles. Yeah, I've, I've seen everyone has their own way of doing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could go really loose and just say, oh, I'm putting the spray paint down, just using fire extinguishers, going back oh, to the Oh, yeah, <laughs> man, I do love the fire extinguishers. <laughs> Don't know how you go on a... Um, yeah, it's a two by two meter canvas with one though. Yeah. I know, I know. I thought about bringing those in at this show too, but I don't know. We'll see if there's space for it. Yeah. <laughs> it's so much fun. Yeah. I've never used one. Oh my gosh, I'd be happy to teach you. Yeah, yeah they're great. Yeah. They're so exhilarating, especially when it's an illegal piece because you just. It's a little Jackal and high feeling though, because you're like, oh my God, this is so much fun. And then you yeah. go up like 30 feet high in a building, and then the next morning you're like, I did cover the entire facade of that building. Like, that's yeah. a little <laughs> crazy. Yeah. But, you know, you're covered in paint. I used to go out with these wigs and, um, you know, like orange jackets or whatever. And then you'd paint it and you'd be so covered. You'd just throw the wig and the clothes under. At one point, I think I even, I was so covered in paint after doing a fire extinguisher. I threw my pants under a car and I just ran without the wig, just in a t-shirt down the street because I didn't want to get caught with all the paint. I <laughs> <laughs> was like, it wasn't me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've always been, because uh, you can see they're really hard to use, like to write with. And uh, I've always thought, oh, gee, I'd hate to be in like prime location and just do a really shit tag with um, the fire extinguisher. Well, they are tricky. I mean, I would probably say I have the easiest name in the world to write with a fire extinguisher because if you write L in cursive, you don't have to pick it up once. Oh, yeah. And so it's a, it's a huge cheat. But um, they're really finicky because most of the time the pressure gauge is broken. And so if you don't if you can't really tell how much pressure is going into it and you get it to the point where it's like boiling and bubbling and you think it's going to explode and you'll die of shrapnel but even then they can have a leak in it and so sometimes you'll end up with a dud with a leak and it'll not really be pressurized enough so you'll climb a billboard or whatever mm. be up in that spot and start and by the the second l it's like and you're like oh no <laughs> exactly and you'll be in a prime location being like oh <laughs> is at least, that cool? Yeah. <laughs> but phonetically, it's still the same word. <laughs> that's yeah. true, LA. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Good point. Do you say L or LA? Um, I, I say L because, um, uh, you know, I lived in France for a year and mm. L means she. So yeah. it's technically from that. But some people call me Ellie and I think that's cute too. Mm. So I don't correct people if they say that. Yeah, cool. Um, so, you know, being that you're a female out there painting, like I take it you'll have like 
every you know graffiti artist has tales from the streets like being out and adventure adventuring you know yeah but i'm sure like you might have different ones because <laughs> being female like have you had uh different experiences to what a male graffiti artist would again yeah i mean um i don't know that these are necessarily uh female issues but you can decide that yourself but i do have a couple really good stories from the streets that were um at the time uh maybe <laughs> felt really questionable uh but um, yeah, okay, so let's see. One of them, one good story. I was in Miami during Art Basel and I was going out wheat pasting by myself and it was probably two or three in the morning and I was on bike and had a big backpacking backpack with wheat paste stuff in it and um, I was on sort of a main road and there was a little bit of a sidewalk and then this building that I had decided to paste on. So I was pasting up this piece and this guy drives up and it's it's pretty quiet on the road at that point, but he pulls up and he lowers his window and I'm like, oh, it's probably the landlord or something, whoops. And he goes, hey, hey you, come here. And I'm like, kind of walk over to the window and I'm like, yes. And he says, what size are your shoes? And I look down at my feet and I've got these boots on that literally have holes in them. They're in really, really bad shape. They're covered in paint. And I look at him and I go, you want my shoes? And he goes, no, I want your feet. I want to cut off your feet. And at that point, I realize he's got crazy eyes. And I'm like, oh shit. So I jump on my bicycle and I start speeding down this. I just ditch everything and I start go. He flips a bitch in his car and starts chasing me down the street. And I'm like, oh my God, this guy is literally going to chop off my feet. So I see a 7-Eleven sort of store up ahead. So I race, 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 and I jump into the store and I ride my bike into the store. And this guy's like, get out of the store with your bike. You can't be in here. And I'm like, there's this person trying to cut off my feet. And I look like a total nut. And this guy's like, get out of my store. I'm like, I'm not leaving your store. And so anyways, I ended up calling a friend to come pick me up with his car because I was just too afraid to leave. But um, that was one, uh, one crazy uh, street incident. Um, let's see, another one. My friend Cat King and I were putting up things on the street. She used to do these really cute cat heads and I was pasting up something else. And we realized that there was a guy on our street uh, that was sort of walking towards us and we didn't really pay much attention and then he kept getting closer and we looked and we realized that he was masturbating and then he started like chasing us like running after us and we were like oh my god, oh my god just run run like <laughs> oh god it was terrible it was so gross um that was unique and uh let's see one more good story um I was uh Actually, I was at a bar with Smells and a couple other graffiti guys, and it was Saturday night, and we were in Brooklyn, I think, at this point, and we were um, on a really main, main road, and I walked out of the bar, I was going to go home, and I had some cans in my backpack, and so I started painting this gate, and then I did a big piece on that, and then I walked to the next gate, and I started doing a big piece on that. And I uh, wasn't really paying attention to, to anything behind me. There were lots of cars passing. But um, all of a sudden, this guy grabbed my arm and whipped me around. And he's like, oh, my God, you're a girl? And I was like, yeah, I'm a girl. And it turns out he was an undercover cop. So he had run over to grab me. And he was like, well, you're under arrest. So we go to the precinct. And he's taking my fingerprints. But he's holding my hand. And he looks at me. And he's like, 
oh man, it's so nice to be holding your hand right now. <laughs> and I'm like, can I do this myself? And he's like, no, you can't. And I'm like, okay. So then he takes me down to the basement where there are all these cells and there's no one down there. And I'm, I'm like, dude, this is really creepy, actually. You're putting me in this cage. There's no one else down on this level. And it's just me and this officer. And it's going to be my word against his word mm-hmm. if anything goes down. And he starts being like, you're such a nice girl. You're such a pretty girl. Why are you doing graffiti? Why, why would a girl like you do graffiti? And I'm like, you know what? Fuck off. Like, this is none of your business you know, whatever. And he's like, why don't we go on a date? How about you let me take you on a date? And I'm like, all right, you want to go on a date? Let's go right now. Why don't you let me out? I'll cook you breakfast. He's like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, come on. I bet you like pork. You like bacon, right? (laughs) And he's like, fuck you. I'm like, fuck you. Um, So anyways, as I'm leaving the precinct, he gives me his phone number and it says PO for police officer, as if I would forget. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty ridiculous. There you go. See, they are uh, ones that guys wouldn't wouldn't experience. Probably not. Yeah. yeah unless you're, uh, I don't know, maybe there's some female cops and, uh, you know, woman masturbators chasing after you guys. Yeah. <laughs> or male ones. Yeah, yeah true. <laughs> so do you, um, do you feel there's a, like a rise in female empowerment within the art world? I think generally in, um, in the world right now, there's a little bit of a rise up. Um, on the feminine side, but I think it's really important. I think it's really necessary. There's huge uh, inequalities everywhere. Obviously, women even you know can't even drive in Saudi Arabia. So there's a lot of work to do. I think men typically don't see the inequality, and so it's hard for them to get behind it. But um, I feel like everything's moving in a positive direction, at least in the states and in Melbourne. I think there's great um, great strides done here, and it feels feels very good. Um, probably one of the best places I've ever been. But for example. Um, I was having dinner with Yasha Young from Urban Nation and a German collector, and uh, he looks to me while we're sitting next to each other at the table, and he goes, oh yeah, I'm an art collector, but I, I don't collect women. And I said, excuse me? And he goes, yeah, you guys just decide to have babies and then you stop making your art. And um, I think for the most part, people like him um, would not try to be so abrasive and shocking and they would just try to not tell you that even if that's what they actually did and um, I think a lot of it's a lot of sexism still exists but I, I think you know I really like to encourage young women to get out there and do whatever they love regardless of the sex and I think graffiti is a really unappealing thing for a lot of women being out late on your own jumping fences doing sort of dangerous things and being in dangerous places maybe by yourself um, uh, climbing ladders and all that going to jail but um you know, I just think do what you love regardless. And, and um, you know, even my sister just had a new baby and she's like, please don't tell it it's so pretty. Please don't say it's cute. You know, I think the idea of building a child up with equal, um, with in an equal way from childhood, from being a very, very, you know, two days old and saying, you're so strong, you're so capable, you're so intelligent, I bet you're going to be so good at math. And so just treating everyone in the same manner, instead of saying you're so strong only to boys, um, I think is really important. And I think it impacts um, the way we treat people impacts the way that they think they're capable in different things. So I like to um, try to be an example of, you know, you can do whatever you want to. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a firm believer of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was always to- told that as a kid. We didn't yeah. have much when we were growing up, but uh, yeah. Yeah. I asked my mum and said, Did you ever say that to my brother and my sister? And she was like, No, no, you, you were the only one that wanted to talk about it. Oh, I was that's like, so oh, okay. Cool. I was like wow. a little kid, just 
I don't know. But it was only in, I don't know, I didn't really start pursuing my dreams till my 30s. Yeah, you know? that's so cool yeah, though. Before that, I was just, I don't know, doing whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I think my parents were always <laughs> like, you know, you're your own person, do whatever makes you happy. Mm. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. For mum, doing my research on you for the interview, um, I realized like you've done heaps of like really good jobs. Like not just lately, but I know you scroll through your Instagram feed and you're always like working on really cool projects and that. Mm-hmm. Like what are some of the projects you've been working on and how, and how do you get them? Yeah, yeah. Um, most recently, just a couple of weeks ago, I finished um, painting a 40 meter wraparound in the new Nike headquarters on Collins Street here in Melbourne. Um, I am currently in this amazing residency and that was uh, through Sandrew. The Nike thing was just an email where they said, we'd like to work with you, can you pitch us an idea? And so I pitched them a concept and they said, great, you're hired. Um, in the past, I have done collaborations with, um, you know, I have a, I've done a couple capsule collections with Reebok doing um, yoga wear, so leggings and tights and bralettes and everything. And that was also just an email from Reebok saying, hey, we want to work with you. And um, the first big one I ever got was probably four years ago or so, and that was with Ikea. And they just cold emailed me and said, hey, you know, we're doing a street art series with like five people globally in every single store. We want to release a street art poster. And um, I just, you know, I think these are really, really amazing opportunities collaborating with people like that. And maybe it comes from the graffiti background. I love seeing my name everywhere. (laughs) So if I can see someone walking down the street in my clothes, I'm like, yeah, that says L on it. Yeah, (laughs) I think it's really cool. But also I think it's a really good uh, challenge and a way to get outside of the box and um, uh, do something that pushes me in a way that I wouldn't necessarily or someone say, can you try to do this a little bit differently? And I like that challenge. I think it's really nice. Um, yeah, I just did the virtual reality installation in, in Berlin was really, really amazing. Um, just a really cool opportunity to work with a team to augment my work and, and make a space that you could walk through that would actually be fully augmented. And I'm doing a show in LA in another in a month or so where they're augmenting paintings. And so you'll be able to walk, when you look at the painting, you'll be able to look into my studio and do an interview. And then you'll also be able to see the painting come to life um, in, a, in a time lapse. Um, is, but, is that a lot of work for you to do this stuff or do you just sort of get it together and then just they, they do all the, um, the coding? Obviously? You know, I'm really bad at even just setting up time lapses, but I, I try to just, um, you know, what do you need? Okay, let me see if I can do that for you. But with the virtual reality, it's kind of just brainstorming with people and allowing them to be creative as well and um, and involve themselves in that process also and, and sort of think of it as a collaboration almost. But um, sure, yeah, there's there's quite a bit of work but although I don't know I think um a lot of it comes from you know just being really up from graffiti a while ago in New York and I feel really lucky that I keep getting these amazing opportunities I don't think I could have pictured that I would have been doing all of the things that I'm doing with my art at this point um but I'm very grateful you know it's bringing me in all these different directions and I love it yeah that's awesome yeah like I, I get jobs like that as well, and it's just an email coming through, and you could, you could never dream of working with that person, or, yeah. it's, like, or it's like if they say, "Oh, who would you like to work with?" The, 
that you know the emails that come through are not who you choose yeah, but then it's yeah. like oh this i've never th- even thought about this yeah, op- exactly. opportunity yeah. this is great and all of the things that your art can be applied to mm. is really exciting you know i would have never thought of all of the you know you can make cups and plates and <laughs> <laughs> i don't even know you know there's everything it's, yeah it's really cool yeah it is yeah well, uh, it's time for the rapid fire section of the podcast. <laughs> I hope you studied up enough. I don't know if I did. Oh, you don't All have right. to study. You know. <laughs> I think I glanced at them and was like, I will work on that later. And then yeah. I don't know if I did. Ah, well, I just, <laughs> yeah, I just didn't want to put you on the spot. Okay. Um, so name one artist you think deserves more shine. Oh, I mean, okay, can I just name my favorite artist or is that a different question? That's a different question. Oh, shoot. Um... Unless they're the same thing. Can I skip that one? Yeah. That's why I emailed you these questions. <laughs> I know. I know. But that one's so hard. Okay. There are so many amazing artists. Well, name um, one. First one that comes to your mind. Tom Gerard, I think your work is fantastic. These booklets that I was looking at earlier from Japan and all of your travels, I think are, are phenomenal. Like, I know that you're showing in in museums and vanilla and everything, and I hope that that continues to grow. I think you should be in the Getty. Like, your shit's dope. So ah. there is an example. Like, there Thank are you. so many incredible artists, and I think what you're doing is blowing my mind. I think that is the best answer to that question I've ever heard. <laughs> 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 no, really, I love your book. If you ever sell one, I want one of those sketchbooks. Yeah. Ah, thanks. Yeah. Not for sale. Yeah, I know, um, you said yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> Priceless, yeah, man. Yeah. So, uh, what medium would you like to work with? I actually am really interested in getting involved with neon. Oh, yeah. I love neon. I just have not had the time and the space and a permanent space enough to, you know, I don't really want to take a class where it's like, oh, you go blow a glass sculpture and it's a desk, you know, paperweight. Like, I want to actually make some stuff and I just sort of need the time and space and I need to focus on that. But I think incorporating neon with canvas is, is just uh, an incredible, I love that mixture. Just like fire extinguishers, canvas, and neon just totally turn me on. <laughs> <laughs> Even though I haven't done it yet, I'm like, ooh, that's so nice. Mm. I just uh, interviewed Tom Adair, and uh, he works with neon. He, uh, he works with um, airbrush on, oh, um, cool. on panels, and then uh, then puts neon lights that follow the Maybe the you contours. could connect us. Yeah, definitely. Cool, yeah, yeah. that'd be amazing, <laughs> I'd love that. Yeah. And uh, what's one skill you wish you had? Uh, a skill I wish I had. Um, I wish I was better at building things. I have built like walls and partitions and things of that sort, and even done some, uh, well, yeah, tiling. But I really like the idea of being able to build my own house or something like that. That's sort of unrelated to art, I suppose. But not oh, really. I think art really. is always hands-on. I, you know. I'm a little scared of saws. I've used them a lot, but I'm always afraid I'm going to cut something off. Yeah. <laughs> I've cut a finger off with an X-Acto blade before. It got sewed back on. But, oh, really? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, um, yeah, I really, I would love to learn, I mean, along with the neon as well, I would love to learn how to circuit things like electrical wiring and things of mm. that sort, sort of boggle my mind. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, know, well, it, it, I just remember growing up, it was always the um, the awareness to, like, not... Like there were the ads on TV saying, don't do your own electrical work. Oh, really? Yeah. That's so funny. You guys are always really safety first in Australia. I and mean, I kind a, of love it. Now it's about the barbecues at the moment. Oh, really? Test, test your gas tanks. Oh, that's We've so like funny. put some soapy water around the, the oh, bits gosh. and see if it bubbles or beans are What? Sleeping. Oh, that's but, crazy. I had no idea. Yeah, I mean, I've either. never seen so much high-vis in my entire life. Yeah. I, I um, Actually, I started a company 
here to sponsor my visa. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that or not, but it's called Spraycation, and um, I want to do artist special edition t-shirt releases. Um, but I was thinking about calling it High Viz Australia. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just love the safety precautions. I know. I've had to wear some when doing murals, and at first, like, it's like, oh, what? I'm putting on a High Viz. This is pretty daggy. And then you walk down the street, and you and you actually realize that you. You're um, you really blend in. With you really everyone. fit in. I mean, yeah. if you look at a car, if you look at the cars <coughs> driving by at 5 p.m., every third car about the person driving is wearing high vis. That's how safe you guys are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you go to the pub and everyone's in high vis. <laughs> it's kind of hilarious. <laughs> I think people from America wouldn't even believe yeah. it until they came over here. It's mind blowing. Yeah. The one thing that gets me, though, is they're so um, full on about the safety on, like, building sites and everything. I think a lot of that's b- b- because people don't want to get sued. Yeah. But, like, there's never there's no signs on any of the beaches saying this is how you swim out of a rip. Oh, that's you funny. Know? Yeah. Because I... Like from doing a lot of traveling, I've yeah. noticed all over the world, in California and everywhere. Yeah, they've got they've got a, a little diagram saying you you know you swim to the side and you get out of the river. To rip. be fair, I feel like Australians for the most part know how to swim though more than other places in the world. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I, but, but I maybe never, that's an unfair. But I never knew that until I traveled. Assumption. But that's how you swim out of a rip. Like I've oh, said it to really? people and they go, "Oh yeah, of oh, course." Oh yeah, you I'd swim say. parallel to the beach. But I'm from California. Everyone in California knows that. I didn't I didn't know that till I was wow. like in my thirties. So oh, weird. You yeah. guys are just too concerned about the sharks out here, maybe. <laughs> no. no, I don't know. I just, yeah, you know what you know. You well, don't know. Maybe what you we don't should know. do a street art campaign and do some rip, <laughs> rip, uh, swim parallel to the beach signs. You know, artist series. Let's yeah, do it. Yeah. I think we should propose it to the government. Yeah. When I um, uh, when I first came back to Australia, I had this list of like possible ways of making money. You know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm going to try and live off my art. How? What can I do? Totally. And even that was on my list. Like, um, speak to the government about. Um, I think we need to make this signs. happen. Yeah. You know, let's yeah. do it. Yeah, and I didn't follow through because art took off, but I hope people aren't out there dying because I uh, didn't didn't pursue it. Maybe someone <laughs> listening to this will take it on yeah. and uh, make you proud. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, uh, who's your favorite artist? Wangechi Mutu. Um, I first saw her work at the Brooklyn Art Museum, and she is a Brooklyn-based artist. Um, and she, it's collage Based. It's collage. She brings in dirt. She does installation with wine and everything of that stuff. I always loved Kiki Smith and different artists that did drawing and installation. And she's just an Wengechi is an incredibly powerful um, artist. You should look her up if you if you don't know her work. How do you spell it? I believe it's W E N G E T C H I, and the last name is M U T U. Okay. I could be wrong on that a little bit, but that's close enough that yeah. you'll find it. I think um, Google will uh, fill the blanks. Yeah, there. I think so. Yeah, yeah, she's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And um, what advice would you give your younger self? Yeah, I guess I would just try to follow through with more ideas that I have. I think sometimes I overwhelm myself with ideas and um, I make such a big idea out of it that I scare myself out of it. It's like this solo exhibit. You know, I've waited for so long, you know, oh, but I have to find the space and oh, I want it to be the biggest thing ever that I just, Mm. oh, it's actually just too much work. I'm just going to stop thinking about this. And I wish I could sometimes just uh, minimize a little bit and just do something instead of deciding to do nothing because I'm overwhelmed. Yeah. So that would probably be what I would have told myself. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, And do you have a dream project? 
you know, the, D- the Dream Project has been this solar exhibition. So I don't know what's going to happen after this, but um, I'm just, uh, it's something I've really put off and I've really wanted to do. And I've just thought it's something I really need to do for a long time. And so I'm really happy to have the opportunity to do this. Cool. Living yeah. the dream. Yeah, I guess so. I know. <laughs> And um, and do you have any like vision of where you want to take your art career? Yeah, I mean, I I feel so fortunate and so grateful that I'm able to travel the world and paint buildings and facades, and I love that, and I want to continue to do that. But another big step that I wanted to get into was painting more canvases and moving towards um, galleries and museums a little bit more. So I feel like um, this year I'm tackling that, and I hope that I can continue to do a little bit um, of that alongside the mural painting. Mm which probably would mean more of a home base, I would imagine. So uh, balancing the two of those would be difficult, but I'm going to see what I can do. Yeah. And do you have any um, like future plans or projects in the pipeline? Um, other than this show, once that's over, I fly uh, a couple of days later to the Cayman Islands, where I'm painting for Kaboo Music Festival. Um, I'm then starting this uh, spraycation t-shirt line that I want to do artist collabs with friends. And um, and then I've got some jobs lined up in New York for painting. So I guess just continuing to travel and paint and make art and spread the color. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and where's the best place for people to see your art online? Um, probably Instagram. It's L Street Art, E-L-L-E Street Art. Um, I just, that's where I'm updating pretty much daily with what I'm doing, what I'm up to, what I'm working on. And uh, I keep you posted on what I'm seeing also that I enjoy. Cool. All right, well, um, thanks for taking the time to sit down and have a chat. Thank it's been, you so uh, much for very having informative. me. Yeah, it's such a beautiful space here. I love looking at all your art while we talk. Ah, thanks. <laughs> cool. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of Bench Talk. To view images of the guest's artwork, follow us on Instagram at bench underscore talk or go to benchtalkpodcast.com. If you want to stay up to date with the latest episodes, subscribe via iTunes or follow Bench Talk on SoundCloud or Stitcher. If you like the podcast, don't forget to tell a friend. And thanks again for tuning in and stay tuned for next week's episode. See ya.